On today's Key to Culture podcast, we're going to be talking with Joshua Gribshaw Beck. Joshua is the founder of Thrive Alive Integrative Business Consulting and Strategy, featuring the personal Empower Me song experience. These songs help successful business owners and leaders do more of what they love and less of what they don't in their businesses by taking personal responsibility for their own conditioning through the power of commissioned personalized songs that require no music skills of their own. So without further ado, let's get started with the podcast. Welcome to the Key to Culture podcast, a show that explores the sometimes unseen forces that animate, connect, and unleash thriving companies and teams. You're listening to the Key to Culture podcast, exploring vital energy and life force at work with Tom Kelly. Welcome to today's Key to Culture podcast. I'm extremely excited to have Joshua Gribshaw Beck on the program. Joshua and I go back to, I think, 2011. We met out in California at the Shift Network Initiation. And he's got a really interesting um, offering and a really interesting concept that goes direct to the intangibles and the tangibles of a, of a company culture. So welcome, Joshua. Thank you for having me, Tom. It's great to have you. Why don't we start off with the question I usually start off with, which is, what do you think is the key or a key to a thriving, uh, fulfilling company culture? Sure. So... Yeah, one of two keys for me is a shared value set that includes win-win interdepartmental agreements and therefore successful organizational execution, which is hard to do if leadership isn't clear and aligned with their own values inside of them and then focused on recruiting and building the team out from there, you know, that aligns with that. Perfect. Now, how did you come to this? How how, How did your story put you in this position where you're, you're doing this? That's a two-part answer, I suppose. Part of this is just my business experience over time. I've worked with startups. I've worked with very successful mid-sized companies, one that had a 50% market share, another that was a Fortune 205. And in my experience over time, it's the companies that really set to a specific set of organizational values and actually the leadership lives by them. And so then the, the culture is developed around those values and there's a certain level of trust and inspiration all aligned with the company mission and purpose. So the answer to that is again, two part. The other piece for me is I actually began my career, if you will, uh, while I was working on my broadcasting degree in college and I was in a top 18 market, uh, radio stations doing promotions and marketing in Phoenix. Yeah. Yeah. I eventually worked my way on air full time. So I could say more, but I've said a lot. So I just want to pause. Do you have any questions about what I've shared so far? No, but we probably have connections in the uh, Arizona broadcasting. I was at a TV station. So we'll talk about that later. Uh, Right on. (laughs) Right. So in, in the radio industry, everything was about hooking and engaging the mind of our listeners, of course, in support of advancing our sponsors' interests. Right. And I, absolutely loved the energy of the music and the big promotional events and the concerts and the fun we had on the air. And parallel to that, I began to study what I later came to know as positive psychology, which is out there in the sphere right now, the educational sphere. Sure. I first started with uh, Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich book. And later, after my radio days, 
studied some Dr. Seligman from Penn State, Stephen yeah. Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, and then another gentleman named Dr. Krauss out of Harvard. He's got a book called The Science of Success. And so the common denominator I found among all of them was that we can consciously choose how to prime our mind for more success. And success defined as the ability to create more of what we want in our own life experience. And so I started to notice working in radio, you know, through the influence of mainstream media and the commercials, you know, what was happening was a conditioning, right? Advertisers are essentially practicing many of the same concepts, concepts taught in positive psychology studies, except they're influencing people's primal instincts yeah. and desires by placing conditioning on people who are mostly unaware of the power and that influence that highly emotional and repetitious messages have on their behavior, right? So all these messages tied to either fear or sex energy and really for short-term consumer gratification interests or profit primarily and not really addressing people's underlying needs or desires. Right. And it's, it's, it's funny because I think that was there at the beginning of advertising. I, you know, I don't, I don't, there might've been some static banner and then people immediately said, wait a second, we can, we can affect people's moods. And so, you know, what, 30 years ago, 40, 50 years ago, and, and yeah, positive psychology might even be a reaction like, oh boy, let's, let's, uh, let's turn the boat around. Right. Yeah, ab absolutely. And yeah, so for instance, there's an example in one of my videos that I use online for my marketing that talks about one of the first, I think it was old Oldsmobile commercials, but it wasn't actually commercials before we really had major media. And they actually had people singing a jingle in the car dealership. So that song would get stuck in people's head and they'd remember, you know, their experience at the car dealership and come back. Totally. <laughs> totally. It was happening even before mainstream media really got a hold of marketing. No, I grew up with it. It's funny. I, before I got into advertising or studied anything. It's like we, you, we were living it. We were right. Living the, 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 exa the exact uh, effects of this. So, I, you know, as I was in radio, I started to discover my own purpose as a man and to support self-actualization on the planet is what felt aligned for me. You know, one of my values. Sure. And I began to realize, hey, I'm contributing to this mainstream consumer-driven emptiness, for lack of a better term. And my soul started to feel empty with the role I was playing in music and on the air. Yeah. And I wanted to do more, but I didn't you know, know exactly how right away, right? Yeah. And over time, it became clear that I loved doing the music or being involved with music so much that uh, I decided, okay, I'm going to make music. And I'm going to make music that inspires others, but not just inspiring. Like, you know, my brain wants to measure results. <laughs> and sure. so I, I wanted to make music that I knew was making a real impact, that I could measure it, know there was a lasting influence for, you know, to better people's lives. And so, you know, recognizing the corporations were spending millions or more on advertising with those jingles we were talking about. And churches were using affirmation songs to instill and remind members of their messages of God and militaries using, you know, marching chants to establish a certain mindset. Right. Yep. I combined that. I started to see that and recognize, you know, okay. And, and high performers, entertainers, athletes, they use visualization and music as well, but not necessarily together. Right. So I was like, why not combine visualization and the highly emotional experience of music 
to help people use that same power uh, you know, that advertisers were using to take control and, and give people power for their own conscious conditioning as aligned with their own deeply connected values and inspired life vision. You know, and it's going to be more powerful when it's aligned with your own essence, I think. Absolutely. So from there, I decided to create the idea of the personalized affirmation or theme song started to come to fruition. Very cool. That is, yeah, you've turned, I I used to say when I was in sales, like I wasn't, they'd say, oh, you're selling widgets. I said, no, worse, advertising. (laughs) Because widgets can be used for something. Advertising is like, you know, I'm av- they, they don't ever have broccoli advertisers. That doesn't exist. Right. You know, it's just Coke and Pepsi, you know, because you shouldn't be having it. Therefore, we got to really get you to, you know, we got to influence you. So you've turned the whole thing on its head. I love it. Right. And that's one of the messages I tell people, even if they don't do a song with me, you know, I, what I learned is we had to take control of what's entering our brains. Totally. Right. Whether, you know, whether it's choosing what advertising to put ourselves in front of or shutting off the TV or, or paying for the non-advertised version of a particular service. Although things are changing with the internet now and all this data mining, they are putting things in front of us that seem more aligned with our clear interests, which is an interesting concept to see unfolding. Well, that's the promise. I mean, the, like when I was in internet advertising, the promise of it is, don't you want to just see stuff that's aligned with your own interest? But the problem would be the, the advertisers would get too jacked up and they would creep people out by, you know, you just searched for Italian vacations and now you're bombarded. It's like, wait, I didn't even, I don't even remember typing that. I think I just mentioned it. And now I'm getting online ads. This is too creepy. <laughs> right. Right. Let's um, shift gears to, you mentioned the, like putting ideas in people's heads. Let's, let's go to your, typical client or just clients, business people, people in general, what's, what is in their heads generally sometimes that gets in their way? The prototypical, what does your product solve? And I, you know, I I already, based upon what you've already said, it's, it's coming clear, but yeah, like what are you seeing is the mindset that's, that's, uh, you know, stifling growth and imagination and hence company culture. Sure. So of course, you know, one, so just to be clear, so I do these personalized songs for people, but there's also a purpose or vision identification process to it as well, right? Because if you're not clear on where you're going or if it's driven by your little self or not the biggest part of you, if you will, the highest part of you, you might be setting yourself up for success or failure or just, you know, significant disappointment, right? So I actually call it the personal empower me song experience because first I take people through an intake uh, experience where they paint the picture of what they're really wanting to create as aligned with their highest desires. And then I take them through a non-supportive beliefs release process where we first scan to see what beliefs might be getting in the way of them accomplishing their goals. Because the song is designed, the personalized song is designed to nurture a new empowering goal or vision or habit or something you wanted to keep in the front of your reticular activating system. We can talk more about that in the science in a minute. But actually, I like to use the analogy of a garden, right? If we have a garden or a tree grove and we've got these non-supportive beliefs or weeds in the garden, 
in the soil, they're going to restrict, potentially block, uh, steal nutrients from the seeds and the fruits and the vegetables you're wanting to grow, which your song can help to nurture and inspire. So I would like to, to do both. In the beginning, I was just doing the songs, and I realized we're just kind of ramming this over these weeds, and that's a problem. So now I help people release non-supportive beliefs as well as nurture the new empowering ones. And so I know I didn't answer your question yet, but I felt like that was important to share as a uh, laying the foreground here. Let's go back for a second because you mentioned you, you, you have the people project what their ideal future is generally. Sure, yeah, they do an intake form and then we'll do a, you know, usually an hour long interview to explore and confirm that makes sense. I, I might do a little coaching with them and identify, you know, I also do business coaching with folks. And so this song service is, is either a parallel or part of the package or, you know, it could be all cart. But, you know, sometimes I need to feel into and check in with them to make sure are these, is this really what is in your highest interest? Is this really what you want? And sometimes they're completely on point. Then other times they're like, no, maybe this is some surface level conditioned goal. I need to go deeper, really connect with my values before we get clear. Cause I don't want to create a song for someone that next week they realize, Oh, you know what? That was, I was just into that in the fleet of the month, you know, and, and it, you know, just blowing in the wind because of what was happening in the mainstream culture at the moment. Right. Oh, oh that's my ex-girlfriend song that I just made for myself. Shoot. Like, why did, why did I do that? We broke up. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You get them to really know their future best self. And then do they always know their limiting beliefs? No. So that's part of the process. So once I hear what it is they're wanting to accomplish, I will dig in a little more and ask them what are the challenges or perceived challenges in getting there. And that's where the juice is and starting to maybe identify some non-supportive beliefs. So I'll take, we'll do a separate session for that where I'll have, you know, I'll take them through uh, an identify non-supportive beliefs identification process where these will be some of these will be flushed out and then i walk you through actually an exercise to start releasing some of these beliefs and because weeds can keep popping up right there's a lot of stuff in our subconscious or in our soil going back to the garden analogy at times this may be something you need to do more of and so i give them a, a worksheet to continue doing work on their own or sometimes people they just like the one-on-one -on -one attention and they might want to do some a la carte non-supportive beliefs release sessions with me. Or I might suggest they go see an EMDR therapist, you know, because I'm not a therapist. All this work that I've, I've learned from other successful people and applying for myself, like the strategies I use, like NLP and some regression exercises and things like that to release things. But, you know, if it's really ingrained stuff and we're not getting the progress we need, I might recommend an EMDR therapist or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Do you ever work with Lion Goodman on the belief? <laughs> I, I I know Lion Goodman. Actually, yeah, we met him through the same network. Yeah, yeah. I haven't actually done his, I think he has something called like a beliefs closet or beliefs something. Closet, yep, yep. Yeah, so I haven't actually done any work, but we, we've conversed about it over time, yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so that's finding what's blocking. And then and then what what's the process? What's the... Um, what's well, the next step you got? Right. So some of the common things that are getting in people's way that you asked about earlier, right? Yeah, yeah. So, it, you know, and, it, and this is just in my silo. I mean, there's, we can have non-supportive beliefs of, around anything, whether it's relationships, money, business, you know, 
the environment, our culture that could be influencing our decisions and how we act in the world. But essentially, the people that I typically work with, they may have beliefs around sales and marketing that, you know, marketing and sales is sleazy or it's pushy, you know, it has to be these things or it's evil. Money's the root of all evil or money doesn't grow on trees. Uh, maybe there's beliefs like I'm not good enough or lovable enough, you know, or I'm just not enough that's getting in the way of someone stepping into their strength and power as a leader or an entrepreneur. Um, often one is, you know, there's not enough time or I don't have enough time. And that's a poverty mind. That's a form of a poverty mindset. Like I don't have enough money. I don't have enough time. Really what we're saying is I don't know how to use leverage to create what wants to come through me. Right. When we say I don't have enough time, it just means I don't know. You're not, you, it's just, I don't know how I don't have the capability I haven't figured out how to create what I want. And, but we have this belief it's related to time, which isn't necessarily true. Exactly. You're, you're reminding me of uh, Steve Chandler's owner versus victim recording that he did where that I don't have enough time as a classic victim speak. You know, I'm swamped. Like some exterior thing is swamping you. Well, that's not what's happening. You're, you're just not. You know, your, your priority list is in the wrong order. So it's, yeah, this is good. So then what's next? They, they know what's, you identify what's in the way, and then how do you work with these people? Yeah, so there's, there's some various tools that one would use. I use some NLP strategies, neuro-linguistic programming tools that I've learned from Walt Bills, and also some that I've learned from my doing studies with learning from Harvecker. He's a... Uh, He's a very famous uh, millionaire who does had a company called Peak Potentials that he sold, as well as uh, what's been known in the industry as inner child work. I like to call it inner child reparenting, and it's really where you connect with, it's not even necessarily a child, but our egos are developed significantly between the age of zero and 10. And so we, there's tools and strategies to go in there and redevelop some of our programming, uh, grow up our ego, if you will. So we develop a healthy ego or maybe a develop a, an underdeveloped part of our ego, or again, just, you know, redevelop some of these beliefs that might've been created as a child or even later in life through a highly emotional experience that, you know, created a little trauma or yeah. a certain belief. Because really these beliefs can be looked at as not, not really ours. When you're, when you're five, you don't just pop a belief into existence. It, chances are real good that it got repeated in your environment and then it became part of you, but it's not really yours. Right. We get all these programs, which biologically in history makes sense to help us survive. But our species is getting more to a place where we can continue to crawl up Maslow's hierarchy and start self-actualizing at the next levels on a more consistent basis, more mainstream, on a mainstream level, right? It's not, we're not out hunting and gathering our food 24-7, where it's just sleep, shelter, and food only in most cases for a lot of us, right? So sure. we don't need all that old protective programming anymore that, like you said, was passed on to us or we experienced from somewhere else. So we're, we're awakening. We're becoming aware of our own biology, our own science. And so I mentioned earlier the reticular activating system, and that's the part of our brain that filters in and out 
what it believes is going to serve our interests, right? Because we have so much bits of data coming through our senses, our five senses, in particular our vision. But some of us are more audible, some of us are visual. And so the reticular activating system is really what maybe even some would tie to the quote-unquote law of attraction you might have heard out there. And sure. there's, there's some science to this is what we're saying. You know, when you buy a new car, you might start noticing that car everywhere, right? And that's because your particular activating system has been primed as this emotional experience. Most people enjoy getting a new car. And so now you start seeing it everywhere. So we can prime your mind as well with the song to start recognizing what it is you want to move towards. We can make it emotional because music's emotional, right? Like you've probably had an experience, Tom, where it reminded you of an ex-partner or a good time with friends in the past, something of that effect. Yeah, with the song? Oh, I, I have a tragic but totally palpable ex example of that. My good friend from high school's brother died in high school, and at the funeral, mm -hmm you know, 400 people in a church that played the entire Bye Bye Miss American Pie. Uh-huh. That was 40 years ago. I, I could yeah. be at the gym and it will draw tears on the treadmill because mm. it's just so clearly linked to that. And it's, I, I don't need, you know, that that's my example. But yeah, there's every, you know... Well, Kenny Chesney's football, Boys of Fall, is, is all about football. And it brings me right back to the smells and stuff. So absolutely. Yeah. Right. And so I'm not saying you have done this, but you might have moved from the treadmill and later that day perhaps looked at some old pictures of an old time or maybe even pick up a phone call to see how somebody is doing from that community that you were a part of at that oh, funeral. Totally. Right. And so it can lead us to action. And when we consciously choose to use this power with intention around our own values and priming our mind for success. So many of the self-development experts out there talk about having a morning routine and there's, you know, statistics that show the most successful people on the planet having a morning routine. One of the things you can do, and part of that is often visualization, right? And so affirmation, visualization, uh, really focus on where you're going. And so that's where a song can come in and help you out to prime your mind for success in the morning. Although I definitely encourage a little tune up midday or in the afternoon as well. It just depends what the goal of your song is. For some people it might be, I need to get more sleep at night. I need a song to help me relax at the end of the day. Sure, sure. It just depends on the individual. But again, we'd be priming your reticular activating system to start noticing opportunities to move towards what you want because the song and the lyrics paint the picture of what you're moving towards. Often the chorus is that catchy part of a song that is repetitive and kind of gets stuck in your head. So often I like to focus that in on the new belief you're working on or the new habit that you really feel is going to take you to your next level of success. So that way you're reminded of how to get there. Sometimes clients have, um, you know, reminders of the things they need to do for self-care like meditation or to eat healthy or to get their exercise and doing it in a way that feels good to them though. Right. We're going to yeah. what are the things that they need reminders of. Yeah. It's it, all these stuff is flooding into my head. Like the I, I saw uh, maybe listen to a podcast about almost all the catchy pop tunes are, are a lot of them are made in like Norway or something by these these guys. And they just learned how to get the hooks. 
And yeah. I don't know if you've studied that, but it's, yeah, they, they, there's, you can listen to like a Britney Spears song and yep, there's a hook and there's a hook. That's what we're drawn to. It's science. Yeah. So I have studied it a bit and bit meaning actual research and then intuitively knew a lot just because being in the industry yeah. and being in music myself now. But the research I saw out there shows that the more repetitious songs are, the more likely, you know, catchy repetition part, like groups of pieces of a song within a song are what sticks in your head and become like mainstream hits. And it's just, sometimes it's just the simple message is all that you need. So I like to combine a little bit of both because we definitely want to paint the picture of what you're moving towards in great detail. But we also want some repetitive pieces of the mantras that you're stepping into, which is helpful for a lot of people because maybe doing affirmations feels awkward around your kids or your spouse, right? Or you don't have time in the morning, you don't feel. So this is a good way to play, you just hit play on your music player, whether it's on your, you know, your iPhone, your smartphone or whatnot. You could be jamming in the shower or in your earbuds while you're getting ready for work or while you're driving to work things of this nature, it can be really convenient. Although there is that upfront investment, of course, of, you know, getting the co-creation song put together with me and or my artists. Thank you for listening to the Key to Culture podcast, sponsored by Quantius, the premier marketing agency for emerging technology. Quantius, smart, fast, curious.